I mean, there there is kind of that like screaming into the void kind of attitude of you know this is impermanent. But hey, just because the last golden age ended doesn't mean that this golden age is going to be worthless. People are still going to live here and love it. Also, fuck it, we'll just make a new one. This is the Crit RPG Podcast. Your one-stop shop for everything Lit RPG, Progression Fantasy, and Royal Road. Hi everyone and welcome to the Crit RPG Podcast. The only podcast where we're recording 30 minutes of stuff that I can't send. With me today are Silver Linings and Argus, who are writers and they write books. Argus, you might know for Kitty Cat Killsat, Silver Linings, you might know for Edge Cases, and die.respawn.repeat. You have to pronounce the dots. Yes. I, you, <laughs> I don't think you have to pronounce the dots, but yeah, you're right. Thank you. Uh, sorry, I am, I'm very German. I can, I can also say uh, die full stop. <laughs> Respawn <laughs> full stop. Repeat full stop. The full stops are more about saying the name as aggressively as possible. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, I'm German. I can do that. Oh, no. Die! Respawn! Repeat! Perfect. I need, I need that for, like, my audiobook trailer. I'm going to get that for the audiobook trailer, and I'm going to give you that as an MP3 so you can upload it on, on the call to Discord as, a, as your joining sound. Oh, my God. Did you know you can do that on Nitro? You can you can put a sound. Have a custom join chat sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just you know, scare everyone every time I join chat. <laughs> yeah, that I, sounds I, fantastic. I, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I might actually do that. Uh, <laughs> okay, so yeah, you're not a nice person. I got it. No, thank you. I I want to get that cleared up. I'm I'm a terrible person. Okay. Okay. So we established you are a horrible person, Silver. What about you? Uh, I try my best not to be horrible. I mean, the whole point of my pen name, Silver, was like I wanted to write stories that were fundamentally optimistic in nature. So if I ever write a story that's not optimistic, I probably have to switch pen names. Grim Tidings. Ah, uh, that's actually a great name. I should use that for like worm level stories where everything is just terrible. That name has to be taken on Royal Road. Uh, it's That's probably need, taken. We, we I, I'm going to go check really quick. Yeah, go, please, please do go check. No. Do it. Do I it should, now. I should grab that account. Yeah, like <laughs> secure it now before it becomes a... Thank God, I'll do it after the checks. There's a grim I... thoughts and a grim cat. But no grim tidings from what I can see. You should do that, and then you should write a write like mammal style horror. Oh my god, I probably could too. I like doing lots of existential horror stuff. I just hide a lot of it behind optimism and like good feelings. Yeah, I've I've noticed that. Um, Edge cases. One of your reviews described it as noble dark. Yeah. I like the noble noble dark descriptor. I also kind of like uh folk punk descriptor. Mm-hmm. If you've heard about Hope Punk, I don't know. Hope Punk is basically uh the idea of like radical kindness. And mm-hmm. it's kind of fun to write about. 
Oh, so I thought it, I thought the whole punk thing is about what fuels the engines. You know, steampunk it's steam, diesel punk it's diesel, and whole punk. The engines of destruction are filled with. <laughs> we we have a basement full of orphans, and every day we tell them that they might get adopted, and that keeps the city running. Oh my god! Calm down, there, grim tidings. <laughs> You're too late. I've beaten you to the name. Yeah, maybe Grim Tidings just needs to be like a joint account. We'll just put all of our terrible ideas together. Oh, Oh we have a lot of terrible ideas. Argus, you You have sad hours like every day. It's true. I mean, Kitty Cat Kills That is... Actually also probably fits under the the Noble Dark descriptor. Like it's... Mm -hmm. The world is breaking and broken, but the characters are still doing everything they can. And nobody's given up and yeah okay nobody's given up that's not dungeon crawler carl but um dungeon crawler carl could that even fit in there if we stretch it enough oh yeah yeah i okay full disclosure i've only read up to like book two or three of dungeon crawler carl mm-hmm. i have not i'm not like current with it but yeah i think it could because it's you have a protagonist who i mean you see a lot of people in the story who do just kind of lay down and die, not because they have any personal moral failing, but because like, I don't know, maybe it's not worth sticking around in a world that sucks that much, but Mm -hmm. the protagonist doesn't. And for whatever reason, you know, that could qualify. Yep. No one's giving him a break. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's probably worth noting that a lot of stories uh, set in like the system apocalypse or lit RPG apocalypse genre kind of fall into a very similar category. That's because the world is always falling apart in those stories and the protagonists are usually trying to pull it together in some way. I think that general idea resonates with a lot of people, especially today, where it does kind of feel like the world is falling apart. And we want to believe that individual power or maybe even individual kindness uh, can do something to like alter the project, uh, trajectory of things. I'm sure it does. I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of nudged into the whole thing, but do you guys want to pick one book each that's most dear to your heart and talk about how you came up with the idea, how and why you wrote that story? I mean, the why we already got, but um, yeah. Um, sure. Silva, why don't you start? Yeah, you go first. Uh, I guess I would talk about edge cases, actually. I feel like I've grown a lot since I started writing edge cases. So a lot of stuff in uh, Diaries Call Repeat is actually, I wouldn't necessarily say better, but it's better paced, at least. Uh, the plotting is a little bit tighter. But edge cases started as like a really small idea. It was it was basically a story that I wrote on Reddit in response to a prompt about an animated suit of armor. And I wanted to write about uh, monsters and non-monsters getting along. So I thought the idea of like monsters in lit RPG just basically being experience point bags was not something I was super comfortable with, especially when in a lot of the a lot of these stories, those monsters are sapient. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the Wandering Inn also kind of addresses this, and I kind of wanted to write something that's like the Wandering Inn. Except I'm not nearly as prolific a writer, and I can't write 60,000 words in a week. So, you know. You you could um, if you were properly motivated. What defines properly motivated in this context? You'll find out later. We're talking about Hope Punk here. 
deeply <laughs> concerning. Uh, <laughs> Fire up the orphan that was engine. Very threatening. Okay, yeah, but uh, I wanted to do something that was a little bit like the Wandering Inns. I wanted to have protagonists that had ripple effects out into a community and into different people, and that's kind of really ambitious for a first project. I don't think I did everything right. I still really love the characters that I've created, and I have a lot of fun writing about them. They they have a lot of the philosophies that I really want to put into a story. I think the latest uh, the latest thing I wrote was like one of the characters going, you know, this might be the last time I see you guys, and then the other character just goes, nope, fuck that, see you later. That's cool. I don't know if you have to censor out any cursing I do. No, no, no. I <laughs> this is a European podcast. Okay, perfect. <laughs> we do whatever the fuck we want. Um, yeah, if you listen to this on YouTube, um, hi, <laughs> hi YouTube, uh, hi YouTube, YouTube specifically. Yeah. Please don't censor us. Don't don't take uh, this no. man's ad revenue. <laughs> so just to even get a rat a, a rat avenue. If you are a friend of the kazoo ad, you have to be very very strong now. I regret to inform you that Sherdaloon went and bought the tier that removes the kazoo ad from all podcasts and and now it's gone so you got Shirtloon to thank for that on the other hand if you want to add the kazoo ad again there's a tier for that too thanks so much for listening and let's get on with the show <laughs> I mean maybe the talking koala and talking cat will go viral <laughs> we we, talked about syphilis. Oh my god, no. Oh no. <laughs> I'm going to derail that conversation and do my side of this. You mentioned at the start that I wrote Kitty Cat Killsat. I also wrote a different story. Uh, I write The Daily Grind, which is still going. Uh, Kitty Cat Killsat I wrote because I thought it would be fun. I had the name stuck in my head, and that's kind of it. I, I wrote the first chapter based on that, and everything sprawled out from there. The Daily Grind is the one that I actually started writing for a reason, and the reason is, a little embarrassingly, kind of just spite. Five years ago, like we said earlier, Royal Road was a different place, and... Oh, wait, I can predict this. Yeah, go ahead. Let's see if you can get it. You read Azarin's Healer and said, I can do better. Surprisingly, no. I only read that <sighs> fairly recently, and actually... You know what? I have an enormous tangent to go on about that that I was just thinking of today, completely unrelated to this podcast, but I'm going to restrain myself. <laughs> Unless you want a chant tangent, I don't know. So again, let, let me just say this. like Azran Theodore is a really, really, really good story after all the edits. It was just referring to the fact that I have had three people on the podcast so far who said, I read Azran Theodore and, and I thought I could do better. Turns out I can't. And then I, tried, <laughs> and then, and then I did another book. Um I, so I I mean I read through it and I think it has some really cool ideas and uh Rhaegar's new story is like it make it, it does the thing where you can look at it and you can see this author is really, really trying to improve as an author, and I think that's cool. But no, uh I, I hadn't read Azeroth Healer when I started writing. I don't even remember what I was reading at the time. It was kind of like an amalgamation of everything where you have 
it wasn't even any specific story. It was the tropes. It was a, a solo protagonist who is immune to pain or gets pain resistance somehow and becomes mm. this this indestructible tank who has special abilities that are nobody else has and they don't have friends or anything because they and you can't trust anybody else because if you tell them about your power they might take advantage of you and i just kind of wanted to write a story where the magic is sort of dumb and the main character has friends and the power in the power fantasy is being able to pay rent Awesome. I feel like that's relatable for a lot of people these days. It's not much of a surprise to me that a lot of the people who show up in my Discord server as as fans of the Daily Grind are people who, like, I didn't know this at the time when I started, but now in retrospect, it's like a lot of these people are either around my age or they're like 50 or 60 years old and they're just like, yeah, man, like, actually, having a skill rank in marketing would have been really great during my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much. i wish i had a friend who was a giant snake oh i also did the thing that silver did uh, later on but like same reason generally too i've seen a lot of stories where monsters are treated as like acceptable targets mm-hmm. like oh it's not shaped like a human and therefore it's okay to kill it and the story goes out of its way to explain why it's okay to kill it like oh they're mana constructs they're just they're mutated monsters they're naturally aggressive nothing to be done about it and that's fine biologically evil yeah <laughs> biologically evil is a deeply uncomfortable sentence uh, uh i said ontologically but oh that's even worse thank you <laughs> again my writing it's been five years you're you can't write for five years and not change you can't not like find new things to be annoyed about as an author and yeah seeing that kind of thing happen a lot it was like i don't know what if the monsters are cute what if i write creatures that are as ugly as possible and then make the audience love them for being adorable yeah i was about to clarify that part you did not make them physically cute no at least not initially i think most authors who are into the whole well hope punk thing go into that definitely sure that's one way to put it i i also uh silver mentioned the wandering in as well and i did like that is also where i why i started writing is i read that and i don't know (laughs) i listened to the audiobook and i it was sold to me as slice of life and i thought that meant cozy (laughs) oh I see. Yeah, I I'm very sorry, Trent. Yeah, <laughs> neither. I'm so sorry for your loss. Neither of our. I think both of our stories have the slice of life tag on them for the audiobook, and neither of them are cozy. Maybe Grim Tidings should write a story that's called Slice Slash Off with two F Slash Life, and it's just like some guy who cannot attack people I'm, in the flesh, or like a like slice of lifetime. What about a, a cozy? story about a movie monster like the what's the guy in the hockey mask jason yeah like the jason Voorhees kind of character but it's just a a cozy story about jason Voorhees retiring and running a a coffee shop and it can be called it can be called slice of life they're like comic where jason is just cat counselor or something and it's kind of wholesome yeah oh i i love um 
ominous positivity. I <laughs> oh yeah, it's great. So much. Uh, you know, it's like a tiny frog, and it says like, "You are loved." This is a threat. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> Everything will be okay, or else. Yeah, uh, you're going to be fine. You have no choice. <laughs> Worrying, but also comforting. Yeah, like when I was like really depressed, like cannot work depressed, I saw that and I was like, this is actually kind of cool. <laughs> that marked a down dip, like, like going back up. I was like, I have a choice. It's going to be better. All right, well, I guess I got it. <laughs> yep. Thanks, uh, tiny fun. worrying frog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the tiny penguin going i hope you love yourself today and the next image is like the penguin but with a knife it's like a joke motherfucker you better be loving yourself out there question two what's the best advice you've ever gotten as a writer you talked about improving and uh, adding adorable giant snakes but what else uh write things Everyone says that. That's, I know. That's I know advice. everyone says that. And I know it's the basic advice. Everything about improving as a writer ultimately comes back to, I don't know, write things. I, I don't know if I've ever gotten any specific piece of advice that changed my life. Oh, I, I guess this is this might be a bit silly. I, I don't know what it's from. It's a meme that's been going around. That's um, I know authors who use subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> and what i i don't literally believe that but also it, it kind of i saw that uh a while back and it kind of gave me this vibe of like it's okay to just be a little chaotic in your work it's okay to do random stuff we're writing fantasy stories about talking cats and magical suits of armor that are also incredibly gay like you can do whatever you want there doesn't have to be a status quo but not only does there not have to be a status quo you should actively seek to disrupt your own works status quo on a regular basis because that's what keeps people excited and keeps people guessing mm -hmm. that and also mm -hmm. uh the basic tumblr advice of if you're doing fantasy world building first thing you do fuck up the moon Oh my god. Shoutouts to Kyle Kirin. Yeah, you should have fucked up the moon. Did you do it yet? Uh, no, I can go do it like after this podcast, though. Good. You fucked up all the stars. Oh, yeah. That, there was at least one moon up there. Yeah, you, you did the whole it's night sky. True. Yeah, I fucked up the stars. I didn't fuck up the moon, though. I am not empowered to do this, but I'm very sure I am able to award both of you 50 franc points. <laughs> Thank you. I think I accept. That's a given. <laughs> oh, so I, why I wouldn't you? I didn't have a choice to decline. I guess a choice implies that you might want to do the other thing, which is conceptually impossible. <laughs> it's frank points. <laughs> Silver, what's your writing advice? Help me. Well, that's a good question. I okay. So I'm going to say the thing that was pivotal for my writing and this thing happens pretty recently um it's not like a specific piece of advice but it's a it's a way that my approach to writing has changed over time and you know that that change was imposed by a bunch of my writing friends in my writing circle who have kind of helped me reach this point for a very long time and i think for a lot of new authors as well the idea of adhering to any kind of structure is like anathema to me 
because you believe that uh, following a structure is going to mess with your art. So you want to come up with your own thing. And that's fine. I think everybody wants to do that. I want to do that still. Having structure for me is not about uh, following a formula. It is about having a tool to use if you get stuck. And changing the way I think about that has mm. helped me a lot in figuring out how to deal with like bottles, for example, or just when I reach a point in my writing where I have no idea what to do next, I can bring, I can go back to the tools I've developed based on the structures that I've looked at. This is also true for when you're listening to advice from other authors. A lot of authors who are really established will give you very like absolutist advice. I think a lot of people quote Stephen King for saying that you should never tear novels and uh, that's, you know, some people can plan, some people don't plan. I think what's most, what's been most useful for me when somebody gives advice like that is to not take it completely to heart, but to approach it like it is also a tool. How do you make this advice work for you? And what are the times you can go against it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. The, the planning aspect, especially it's not constricting if you make it yourself. Right. Yeah, it's the Calvin and Hobbes thing, right? Yeah. It, mm. It's, mm. uh, it's not work if nobody makes you do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Which is, I think my many, many people like being writers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> except for, you know, Patreons. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com everybody and publishers uh, um but actually but, just yeah. real quick i want to touch on a thing you mentioned like making structure work for you and mm -hmm. i uh also do the thing especially with uh the daily grind recently like i had that thought of i don't want structure messing with my art and then i realized that like oh but wait what if i do a problem escalation narrative climax de-escalation of tension as an arc oh well that that's fine because that's just part yeah. of the the whole thing so, oh wait i can use structure whenever i want no one can stop me <laughs> you can also abandon it whenever you want and if you do it at the right time yeah. it's really cool and if you do it at the wrong time your tutorial is now 165,000 <laughs> words <laughs> Listen, there's there's give and take with everything in writing. Sometimes you fuck up and then you lose 20,000 words. It's, it happens. 20,000? Those are rookie numbers. Yeah. I also... Uh, yeah, what was the number you said? 165,000. Oh my god. Uh, also, Stephen King saying don't plan your novels is like bold talk from somebody who wrote his own author insert as pseudo-god at the end of the Dark Tower explaining how he doesn't know how the story ends it, it, that's good spoilers though. for the I dark mean, tower but but kind of don't plan your novels from stephen king is kind of like michael phelps going to jump into just, the water yeah just get in the water just i guess get in the water. Like, that's how you learn how to swim yeah. like <laughs> what are you talking about look it's me saying look if you want to be an author you just have to start writing stuff it's oh yeah exactly or like zogar's gonna like, just put it on patreon Oof. Oh, <laughs> I feel personally attacked. Why? My Patreon isn't doing enough money to pay rent. 
And none of us are. None of us are. I told you, I doubled my Patreon overnight. Yeah, now do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Just double your Patreon count every day. <laughs> If you double your Patreon count every day for thirty days, I don't. I don't do math. You'll have. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that math. I, I'm not going to count. <laughs> I. I think that's more than the population of Earth. Hang on. Let me. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> it's. It's two. <laughs> it's about two billion. Yeah. Okay. I figured it out. So if you're in India or China. All you need to do. All you, all you have to do is get your entire country. Um, Does China or, have I Patreon? Guess, like, I didn't actually like think about this, but I get patrons from all over the place sometimes. I see people come in from New Zealand or Sweden because they have different currencies. But I've never seen anybody from China. And now I'm wondering if China even gets Patreon. I'm not sure Royal Road is in China. Hmm. That's we have a lot of censorships there, so it's kind of hard to say. I know web novel definitely is. So Mechanimus, he's in Shanghai. And Mammal is too. So they must have Royal Road in there. Yeah. And they both have Patreon, so they must have Patreon too. Yeah. I guess but I guess it's just <laughs> I guess the story about the orbital space cat just didn't resonate. You mean it didn't have an impact? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can be smug about that one. I'm so smug about these puns. Uh, yeah, in Germany, they call me the panzer. <laughs> Sorry, they don't. They don't. I made it up. I, I have no <laughs> way of expressing myself besides just like wobbling from side to side. <laughs> Which is cool. It's slightly um, more expressive than Argus's cat just staring into the camera. I am attentive, <laughs> thank you very much. I will say that was the most ominous thing you've said this podcast. <laughs> you work more on than it. the hope punk thing with the orphans. Yeah, I was talking about the orphan basement earlier. No, there was something special about like staring specifically at the cat with its completely blank expression while you said that. <laughs> you should have zoomed in. <laughs> oh, that would have been perfect. Uh, oh god. No. Oh, Pay attention. <laughs> Okay, I love this thing. Uh, I I didn't. I wasn't oh sure, but I like this yeah. now. Editing this thing is going to be so hard. I'm really sorry. No, it's fine because I'll have to edit a YouTube version, then I have to edit a Patreon version and a audio only version. Oh. <sighs> um. Okay, so you mentioned that you had some stuff in edge cases that you might have wanted to change. Can you talk about that more a little bit? Well, I'll be honest, I did most of this thing I wanted to change uh, when I did the editing, and I sent it to, to Poding. It was basically a lot of typing of like character interactions. And I think one of the problems, not really a problem, but one of the, the kind of the nature of publishing things in serial, especially when you have a deadline for every chapter, is you start getting stressed, right? And sometimes you just start pumping chapters out. That's not great. Sometimes chapters, sequence characters end up feeling a little bit more flat. Sometimes you end up with filler. I think for the most part, I'm very anti-filler. Like I'm very bad at clicking filler, even when I want to write filler. Everything I write just ends up being a plot point. It's good, I guess, because everything I write ends up being paced in an okay way, even if I'm not doing it intentionally. 
Um, but it's always better if you're doing it intentionally, right? Like you can go back, add a little bit more foreshadowing. If I'm not planning, if I'm just writing things in serial, I end up forgetting stuff. Um, and I remember Argus actually gave me advice about forgetting stuff, which is to just roll with it and have the world also forget this <laughs> thing. Yeah. Oh, oh that, that's how the Infolox came, came to be? That is correct. Yes. Oh, no. I, Argus is, it's Argus' fault. Right? Uh, it, in the first two published books of the Daily Grind, which would be book one on Royal Road, there are two characters that only exist because I forgot something. And it's, there's, there's an XKCD comic about, I don't remember exactly what the line is, but it's like, imagine you're trying to build yourself a parachute while you're falling out of an airplane. I mean, we've all been, yeah. And it feels a lot like that. And it's like, yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot to write this thing. I have to explain how one of the, the mental compulsions went away. I don't know. What if the other one ate it? What if the other one isn't? hostile what if the other one is cool yes yes good <laughs> i will say watching a cat do that is incredibly ominous as well it's like the repeated yes at least i didn't zoom yes. in on it this time <laughs> it's true yeah <laughs> uh, um, I, had, I i definitely know what you're talking about i didn't explain emotions well when i wrote my first story because i thought it would be like obvious and I read it, I was like, this is not obvious at all. She's, she just seems like an asshole. <laughs> I, I think a lot, of, uh, a lot of early authors accidentally fall into that, where it's like, what you intended does not matter. What matters is what you put on the page. If you were thinking as you're writing something of like, the character comes across like this, and then you realize later that what you've written is a character who actually kind of sounds like a psychopath because you didn't like you didn't convey to the audience like you didn't use the words of oh but secretly she does not believe this thing she is saying it's like ah, mm-hmm. uh, oops and now you have to make yeah. the choice of do i go back and edit it or yeah do you do go back to edit it that's my <laughs> advice if you if you wrote your first story and you didn't hit like rising stars go back revise your story i know first the fire says i don't do a rewrite if it's the first story go back yeah edit and then republish it it's it's fine you can do that i will say that the difference between serial writing and trad writing really shines in the idea of editing because so many serial authors do almost no editing and in trad public work you have like eight or nine revisions on the same thing sometimes their first draft is like barely readable based on some first drafts I've seen. But by the time you get to the end, it's actually really good. And I think it's kind of interesting. Web serial authors get really good at posting a first draft. You do a very good first draft and then you have to edit less. But I personally enjoy editing. I know I know most people don't, but to me, it, editing is the crucible in which prose is formed. And I love prose, right? It's your baby. Yeah. You want to dress it up nice. I, I think it was uh Rails. No, Sorry, I was gonna say like it, uh Neil Gaiman's quote of um foreshadowing is what happens when you go back for the third time and delete everything that doesn't make sense. Yes. Yes. 
That oh is God. so accurate. That being said, I think you can do foreshadowing if you have a very good idea of what is going to happen in your story at some point. Or, okay, so I know this is podcast is about you guys, not about me, but basically write the story and ask questions that you don't know the answer to. Yes. That oh, is yeah. such a good thing to do because then you want to write, so you want to find out what's, what's going to happen. Basically, you're leaving open threads that you turn into plot points, and that's yes. kind of like foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, I, it's a mixture of planning and pantsing, and I like calling it planting because you're planting seeds for future plots. Yeah, for gardening. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. Also, if you have a kind of holistic idea of what your characters are like and what your world is like, then... Mm-hmm. You can kind of have foreshadowing happen organically, not not by accident, but like you put in the effort, you wrote the characters as they are, you knew how the world and the setting worked, and some stuff is going to show up where it's like, oh, this was really well foreshadowed. And you're like, I had no idea this event would be occurring. It happened as a natural result of everything that makes sense up to this point. And mm. like, if you think it's foreshadowing, that means I did good job. So thank you. <laughs> that means I did good job. <laughs> I I did lose an article in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's cool. This is why I need an editor. <laughs> I yeah, editors are so good to have. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes. <laughs> Important clarification. Yeah, I mean, shout out to my friend Sam uh, or Zeusified. He did such a good job. He wrapped my entire thing, and then he gave me like a one-hour rundown of stuff that I could change. So helpful. I'm going to do the same thing with his story. Yeah, well, I think... Uh, I'm going to make him suffer. <laughs> it's your turn now. Uh, dev editors are fantastic. Of clear, chunky ideas, or mm-hmm. here's how this chapter can be moved around and, and rearranged. like Stuff like that that's like big motions that you can make, I really like. I am less fond of the more picky editors, like the the finalized, like, oh, you used a word here that you used, you know, this word's repeated. And it's like, I, I know I need to fix this. I- well, 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 it's a new ad. If you're interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com. For now, I just finished the first book in my own series, Torchbearer. If you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. And let's get on with the show. Now I need to tighten up my language, but this part is exhausting to me. This part is work. This isn't the fun writing. For me, that's also fun. You know, chaos was the law of nature. Order was the dream of man. So good. (laughs) Right? You go in and you just take a hacksaw and you kind of like, this prose must be tightened. (laughs) It's it's kind of like going to the gym. It's really good. Uh, If I'm I'm taming things, I enjoy that process. Uh, A lot of the time, some of my edits uh, come out as like, like things that are repeated you know i'm happy to change this pearls i think is a force multiplier uh you have to make sure content is good before the pros will actually make your story sing uh but once you have everything in place 
prose can be the thing that changes your story from a good story to a great story. Uh, this is also true for narrators who can really bring life to the story. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah. You're talking about Travis. Uh, I was actually talking about Jeff Hayes for Dungeon Crawler called, but also oh, yes yeah. for yeah. Travis. Travis is amazing. That is, that is the other god in the Pantheon. Yes. And also, yeah. of course, Tess Irondale and uh, um, uh, who does Stray Cat Strat? Uh, uh, Holly Jackson. There you go, Holly oh. Jackson. Thanks, Holly, for voicing so many kick-ass female protagonists. Like, she, oh, she, yeah. she, does, she does an amazing job. Like I'm just listening to The Devil's Foundry, um, so be thou my good. It's super cool how she manages to make that book sound completely different, even in narration, than Stray Cat Strut. It's really good. Also, shout out to uh, the audiobook narrator for Chili Cat Kill Set, who I think did an amazing job. Who was that? Uh, Ava Karminsky? Is that I saying her name yeah. right? Uh, Ava Kaminsky. Kaminsky. Okay. I don't think that's R. No, there is no R. Okay. I haven't listened to that. Mm. Yeah. Is it, is it is it out yet? Oh yeah, uh, it is out. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, audiobook well, is insanely good in my opinion. We were talking about not having enough time, but uh, definitely on the list. I got the Manoct Loop going on right now, and mm. I got. Um, I like that one. Good. I yeah. It's it's one of those ones where it's uh, taking advantage of like the web serial format in a really good way to let the audience never get especially comfortable with any part of the story. Like the story doesn't have a status quo exactly because the story is the story is about a time loop until it's not until it is again until it's not. And now it's about geopolitics. Now it's about celestial politics. What and it all makes sense. Yeah. And it, it all fits together because it's all holistically part of the world. The author yeah. obviously knows who these characters are and knows what the setting is and uh, would like to take us on a globe-trotting adventure to show off a whole lot of it. Yeah. Carolex. Really good. Very good. Yeah, the men have this great. I'll stop sidetracking oh. us. I'm sidetracking us. It's fine. That's the entire premise of this podcast. We're talking about stuff, and then we're talking about more lit RPGs. We're talking about stuff, but then also we're going to get sidetracked into talking about what we've been reading lately. Which is good, right? That's what the listeners are here for, I hope. <laughs> the listeners tuned in for Argus's webfic review. I I'd listen to that. Check out Markets and Multiverses. It's pretty good. Markets and Multiverses. Ooh. By Mort? Uh no, it's a completely different one. It's a it's one of those serial reincarnator fictions oh. about people who die and get reborn over and over. Except the premise is that when the three main characters die and meet for the first time, where they meet is in this enormous, like trillion person large city in the Ocean of Souls. Mm -hmm. Except the city is dead and empty, and there's no one left, and they're the only ones. Anyway, have a nice afterlife. <laughs> oh great and like that sounds kind of grim but fundamentally it's a story about uh like community and friendship and stuff and i like that shit that's that's my jam you know what they should do if they wake up in a city and they're still re reincarnators they should die respawn repeat 
Oh my god! <laughs> actually, I, I was gonna. <laughs> I was actually gonna ask because. Oh my god. Argus, uh, was this any inspiration for your newest story? Yes. Okay, this guy. I, I have a... <laughs> like, like, did you steal this? Absolutely. I have a story that's uh, only out on Patreon right now. It'll be publicly posted fairly soon. That is, it's a serial reincarnator story. These stories have a consistent problem, and they always have on Royal Road. Like, the Many Lives of Candace Lee or Endless Ascent, like the original one, which is that they get through, like, a few lives and then stop because a whole life is actually a lot to write a story about and a bunch of lives is kind of an overwhelming thing to focus on uh so i decided to skip all of that and my story is just about people meeting up in the afterlife between lives and hanging out in a bar at the end of the universe oh cool that's not oh that's that's kind of cool it, oh, that's a really yeah, promise. it's very cozy and also kind of depressing, which I guess can describe a lot of what I write. Well, it's about death. It's true. Yeah, it is. That's also the entirety of Pity Cat Kill Set. Um, now I don't want to read it. It's I'm good, though. It's bounce. good. It's the only good thing I've ever written. Come on. Argus. <laughs> that's uh, not true. Pity Cat Kill Set is sad, but it's also very hopeful. Cozy, sad, hopeful. That's <laughs> very descriptive. Oh. Oh my god, you missed out on something. Oh? You could have made it an entire thing. You could have been like, sad kitty cat kill sat. Is that sad? How's that? Oh, because it because it's sad kitty and sat. I don't I don't know if I get the pun. I'm gonna write it. Yeah. Come on, like it's, uh, I I new, new key, new it's just that the word sat and the word sat are similar. It's, it's my German accent. They rhyme. But yeah. Uh... Oh, it makes it a palindrome. I see. Yeah. Okay. I had to type it out to... If if you listen to this, we are just staring at the screen. But like, we're, we're huh. just, I'm, yeah, trying to figure out how words work. I, I do want to yeah. mention that like all of Silver's stuff is also kind of in that realm of like hey by the way the universe is not only ending but has ended and uh let's have a fun adventure story oh god <laughs> like I, while while listening to edge cases i hit on that a few times i was like Oof, uh, uh, hopefully this goes well but this is just something that i need as a reader right i'm writing a very very angry very emotional very gruesome story at times and i just need good things in my life and educate is definitely delivered on that um but kitty cat kills that apparently is also pretty good so i guess where we differ is you guys write about glimmers of hope in ending universes and i don't know if they ever become like revolutionary world bettering kind of infernos but that's the shit that I want to write, where it's like, you can make a difference. And one guy will change everything, or one lady in my thing. So, yeah, I think we're all pretty similar in that regard. Mm -hmm. Cool. That means I can keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there is kind of that, like, screaming into the void kind of attitude of, you know, this is impermanent. But, hey, just because the last Golden Age ended doesn't mean that this golden age is going to be worthless. People are still going to live here and love it. Also, fuck it, we'll just make a new one. 
pretty good. Pretty good point. <sighs> I'm thinking about the world. <laughs> anyway. Look, just because this golden age ended. Oh, that was your first mistake. <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, yeah. Hmm. Okay. <sighs> okay, so we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about best advice you've ever gotten as a writer um, going back. Oh, actually, Argus, I haven't asked you. What would you go back to and change? Oh, yeah. See, okay, that's the thing, because you were talking about how great editing is and how much you you love to shape prose, and and Silver's talking about like, oh, I tightened up character arcs and I, I like made everything clearer, and I'm sitting here like, I never expected to be published, so when I was writing, I was like, it's a serial web fiction. I'm going to abuse the fuck out of the serial web fiction format. If I make a mistake, no, I didn't. I'll explain it later. It's a mystery. It's not a plot hole. It's a plot seed waiting to sprout. Thank you, Silver, for this amazing analogy that I'm stealing from you. So, so yeah, like you, you in chapter two, the main character says that he has roommates in chapter eight. He has a roommate. Oops. That's a typo. I could fix that by deleting one letter. I chose to go a different direction. Like that's how much I leaned into my fuck ups is I spawned an, in- the entire reason that, like the, in- the infomorphs exist is like, I needed to explain how an entire person disappeared. And that's how far I leaned into just like, I'll fix this in the next chapter. If you give me time, I'll explain what's going on. I'm going to have to think about it first. I might lie to you and tell you that I know what I'm doing. I don't. But like, I'll get there. (laughs) And I think that's why a lot of people still read is like, who knows what's next? Uh, do you know what's next? Tell me, tell me, help me. <laughs> so, but like, that's also the thing of like, if I could go back and fix something, anything in Kitty Cat Killsat, I could fix things. In Apparatus, I can fix things. I, there's time. Um, it, I I did fix a lot in Kitty Cat Killsat. I changed up. I, actually, I, I mostly added stuff. I added more uh, throwaway world building. I I put in more like weird technologies and weird terms that never get explained because I decided I loved that joke. But like, if I fix something in the daily grind, I undermine the next two million words of stuff. It's oh, it's all God. stacked in this precarious pile. Please help yeah. me. I've done this to myself. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I don't know which author it was. It was a serial author in the 1850s. I I guess it might have been Dickens or it wasn't Doyle. I guess it might have been Twain. So in the newspapers, you would have these stories and they would pay authors to write these stories, right? Um, that's how Sherlock Holmes came to existence. Sherlock Holmes is how I explain serial fiction to other adults to like, my parents' generation is like, it's like Sherlock Holmes stuff, but on the internet. <laughs> That's very good. I never really thought about that. My parents are still going to say like, we're happy that you found something, but shouldn't you get a real job? <laughs> uh, um, oh, but what about your degree? I have a degree. I have a master's degree. 
in English literature. What did they oh, think is well, going to there happen? you go. You're using it. Actually, I am. For the first time in my life, I'm actually using my degree. Yeah. Hmm. Nice. Um, Congratulations. Legitimately. Thank you. Thank you. And now I'll earn less money, so don't follow your dreams. Um, <laughs> don't follow your dreams? No, no, no. no, no I'm, 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 I didn't say that. I, I totally forgot about this, but I actually started studying English because I thought like, I can be an author with this. And then sometime along the way, I just forgot about it. I just forgot that I wanted to be an author for 10 years. I always wrote a little bit, but I never thought like, oh yeah, cool. This is going to get like, published or anything. I like similar story, I guess. I started as, I started wanting to be an author. I wrote really bad fan fiction and then I kind of moved on with my life. Uh, I studied, I studied biomedicine actually. I got a diploma in biomedicine and then I moved on to game design and did that for four years and now I'm back to writing. So yeah. Many game designers go back to writing the WG. Look at Travis. Yeah. Also, sorry, we kind of got sidetracked here. What was the Mark Twain thing you were thinking of? Oh, right, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. So he wrote this detective fiction. And it was a newspaper and everything. And it said, and at this point, the good detective, I don't know what it was, like, swallowed a fishbone and choked to death or something. Mostly because I've written myself in a corner and I can't think my way, way out of it. Next week is going to be a new story. <laughs> I actually <laughs> legitimately think that is advice that a lot of current authors could stand to hear. Like there are stories when our stories end, even if they end ignobly, it's a clean break and we can start something new. I am shit at this. I don't end stories. I just keep them going. And then I'll be like, I'm taking a break from this one to write something else. But I'll, I'll come back to this later. And then I just keep writing it on the side. I have three things going right now that I'm trying to keep up on. I should just have the characters choke on a fishbone. Mark Twain was right all along. Absolutely. How many of the characters would die from a fishbone? Most of the human ones, probably. Yeah, but like if you're talking about the protagonist of Apparatus, that's not going to happen. Uh, the protagonist of Kitty Cat Kill Set, that's also not going to happen. I don't think happen. cats can choke on fish bones. I think it's like a, a law or something. <laughs> well, that one's over, I, though. That I, one ended. I don't have to write more of that. Yeah. Your serial trans migrators would choke on a fish bone, but it would not end the story. <laughs> that's the start yeah. of the story. How'd you get here? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. It's like uh, three out of four stories that cannot be ended by fishbones. A metaphorical fishbone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> An ontological cool. fishbone. <laughs> Perfect. Now I'm doing the side dragging. Um, Sorry. No, it's, it's fine. Um, I was just going to say that I have two ideas. The first idea is, of course, that you can't plant a plot seed without digging a plot hole. That's good. That's yeah, that's really good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I'm you. Gonna tell that to um, my readers from now on. You, you, can, you can stroke your beard, really plant a plot seed without digging a plot hole. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll believe you, but probably not. Man who runs um, behind car gets exhausted. The man who runs in front of a car gets tired. <laughs> yes, thank you. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> 
I am here to suffer. Didn't you know that one, Silver? <laughs> no, I know them. Anyway, I'll stop interrupting. That's fine. Uh, one book that you love and why is it awesome? One book each, please. You go first. I have no answer right now. I have to think about this one. Uh, actually, no, I do have an answer for this one. Uh, it's Our Tenderfist. I've already talked a lot about Argus's books, and I think it's by default I do love them. So I I could go more into them, but I'm, I'm going to go a bit into Our Tenderfist instead. Uh, because it's kind of, it doesn't really have a lot of love. And I think it's really good. It's got uh, really well-developed world buildings. Probably the most well-developed world building that I've seen uh, in any mid-action I think Archangelus probably also has like the highest fortunate authors that I've seen. Sort of like, I don't know, Selkie's Discord for Beneath the Dragon Eye movies. Um, what's the... Um, it is... What? What's the name? Archangelist. A-R apostrophe Kendrithist. That's not... Okay, here. I typed it on chat. That's letters. <laughs> yeah. This always comes up every single time anyone says the name. Uh, it has probably one of the more dedicated writing communities, but also more dedicated fan communities, I mean. Um, but also, yeah, the world building, I think Arts said that he's worked on the world for like 10 years before he started writing the novel. A lot of authors kind of give up if they start with world building. That's one of the biggest threats that authors get into is they start world building and they never stop. Um, <laughs> but Arx did it. And he wrote the story. Stuff that happens in the first couple of chapters gets brought up like millions of words later and everything fits together and it's really cool. It's also clear, so that's cool. Like the main character is bisexual. Uh, he's a dad with a daughter. The daughter kind of fulfills the usual murder hobo role. In yeah, I do actually love that about the story that like Jane would be the protagonist in any other story. The dad here is the more specific one. Yeah, it's a really nice dynamic and a different approach to lit RPG that makes it really interesting to get into. Also, it has dragons. Oh, oh, yeah, dragons are in right now. Dragons are hot. Yeah. <laughs> Argus. Oh, I have to answer so the question. Yes. <laughs> uh, do I have to pick a web fit, the... or can I pick a? You can pick. Okay, a great. I want to talk about the practice effect. Ooh. So this is a book from. Oh god, I guess I can just. I have the. I have a hard copy here. Uh, this is a book by David Brin from 1984. Um, it's technically an isekai. Uh the the first chapter sort of rushes you to the point of the story which is the protagonist lives in a science fiction utopia earth and he's a grad student which means it's not really a utopia because that's still happening uh and also he has to work with other grad students so you you know we're leaning toward dystopia at this point um and they've built a machine at, for for their fucking class project. They've built a machine that they call a Zevatron, which allows them to access other worlds. And they test it out. They send a robot through, and the robot's like, cool, it's working. And then when they check, the robot is gone, and they don't know what happened. So they decide to send a person through, because they're grad students. Um, 
and the main character gets sent through on like a scouting expedition to this other world that they have accessed through a transdimensional portal and ends up in a land of like knights and and medieval cities and whatnot and there is technically i'm going to call it magic there's magic in this story mm-hmm. and the magic is exactly the kind of thing that i would expect somebody to write a lit rpg about today which is that everything in this world levels up not the people or animals just the stuff that's the premise that's the whole thing is everything in the world gets better. They call it the practice effect. You practice an item and it gets better at being that item. And most of the story is about, I mean, there's, there's a narrative plot about him rescuing a princess from a corrupt baron or whatever, who fucking cares. But most of the story is about the interesting thing, which is all of the sociological ramifications of this bizarre physics thing that's going on. Like, no one knows how to build shit. They don't know how to make tools at all. They just tie a rock to a stick, and they're like, I don't know, it's an axe or something. And then they start using it as an axe, and like, after a while, it works. And after you've had the same axe in your family for 200 years, it's like a monomolecular blade that can go through solid rock. But if you leave stuff Mm -hmm. alone for too long, it degrades. So, nobles play this political game with each other where they gift each other incredibly valuable things which then they have to keep up which means they have to hire people to use those things and find a use for them otherwise they lose face by not having it displayed in better condition all of their wow. buildings are shaped like uh, like pyramids or ziggurats because they build the ground floor and use it until it works. And then they build a shitty structure on top of that once it's stable enough and use that until it grows out again. Huh. That's so cool. Yeah, there's just a million little things in here. And this is, this is like what got me into uh, the world building of magic. It, and actually, I think... Uh, mm-hmm. Silver, you mentioned Archandrathist, and Archandrathist, by the way, is a really cool story that I think would make an even cooler D and D source book. Um, and okay, yeah, like it also does the same thing. Of all right, there's magic, of course, there's magic, but what does that actually? mean for how you live your life what do you do on a day-to-day basis like if in the practice effect there's a prison break with the main character i mentioned a corrupt baron so assume all the prisoners are mostly decent people um but he and a few others get out of this prison that they're kept in a prison by the way where part of their prison exercise is trying to break out of prison so the thing is better so the prison becomes a better prison yeah um and when they get back to one of the guys like families uh he's got like a couple of cousins who are there and they're like yeah uh we've been coming by every day to sit in your favorite chair it's like holy shit that's so nice Nice. that's like oh you cared oh my god that's so cool also by the way silver i now know your inspiration for vex um Oh god damn! No, what do you mean? <laughs> I have not gotten the joke. You what? I did not get the joke. 
I'll explain it after <laughs> the podcast. Okay. But yeah, uh, that's the one that I think like gave me the most of a direct line of insight into like, I don't know, let's let's go into weirdly specific detail about how our lives change when shit gets weird. It's a very, it's a, it's a super interesting idea. Um, I, the idea of items advancing is something I obviously like. Um, but I haven't really thought about that. You know, the like, nice thing of like, oh my God, this is my favorite chair. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It, it's also it's pretty cool. one of those things where it's a great example of how you don't need a, you don't need a whole system. You don't need a complete magic grid mm. that covers every possibility in the world. You need one mm. idea. As long as it's fun, that idea can be everything or nothing, depending on whether people engage with it or not. Maybe people in your world are just like, magic, that sounds terrible. We have things to do. Well, even that would have its own effects. Exactly. I do think one of the most fun parts about writing a fantasy world is addressing exactly that, like the ritual effects of having any kind of system or magic system. Mm -hmm. um, not saying I'm great at it, I just think it's fun. Yeah, I'm also not great at it because I have trouble thinking things through without going into nitty-gritty details. Um, but definitely. I mean, mm -hmm. I think, Silver, you do it a lot in edge cases with, like the how and why of different parts of their civilization like the adventurers guild sounds like something that we've heard before it sounds familiar and comfortable to fantasy stories but like it sounds that way because it's intentionally doing that right it's a it's a marketing thing within that society that's targeted at people from earth who think that the adventurers guild is the best idea so that it can culturally convert them into something useful <laughs> okay that's a horrifying way to put it but yes correct yeah but like uh, i have a lot of fun with concepts like yeah that. And like i don't know we have a system that gives us classes okay well parents would want to try to secure the best classes for their kids mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or perhaps and not give them yeah, perhaps secure dynasties for their families. And shit, we see that now, right? With like parents choosing what degree their kid goes for, not really giving their kids a choice about like what college they're applying to. Imagine if you could have that, except you get even more kind of grim control over a person's life, which is also mm. something that you can do pretty You're well. going. Uh, you're going uh, made to kill, for example. Does that? Oh too, right? yeah, ish, ish, where people are just born with a class. Or I mean, heck, um, or great, I got reincarnated as a farmer. Mm. Does that? Ben Kareid does like an ex exceptional job of exploring society where stats are real and classes are assigned. I th really, really good job. I think. Yeah, because anytime you get something like that, you're going to end up with disparity and inequality in like how capable people are and how a society mm. reacts to that tells you a lot about that society yeah, exactly like, i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of beneath the dragon eye moons but uh i will give huge points to the world building that the cities have 
different sidewalks for people at different levels. That's really cool. That's like an attention to detail that matters. It's like, if you're a child, yeah. you walk in the yellow sidewalk so that you don't get absolutely demolished by the courier that's moving at 400 miles an hour. <laughs> yep. You're seven. You'll die. <laughs> I like, don't play in traffic, except the traffic is just one guy in sandals. Um. All right. Shout outs. Uh, Who wants to go first? Everybody should read Die Respawn Repeat. It's really good. No. No. We're supposed to tell it's false stories, right? Yeah. Let's see. What have I even been reading recently that isn't like something that's topping Rising Stars? Silver, do you have anything? Uh, no, I was hoping you had something. <laughs> I, I can start. I mean, I've mentioned already. Um, it's an Amazon release already, so I really like Be Thou My Good. I think... I think the authors actually, as far as lit RPGs go, definitely top 10%. Definitely. Um, it's narrated by Holly Jackson. Really good narration. And as far as I can tell, like very much um, top standard. Like what's the, what's the opposite of substandard? Uh, super standard. Super standard prose. That sounds great. And then just really cool world building too. Yeah, I really like it. That's my shout out. Oh, I actually have thought of one. Um, I'm going to warn you that this story does have like NSFW content. Um, yes. So, can I <laughs> shout it out? It is on Royal Road, to be clear. It's not like a huge portion of the story. Um, it is called The Demon King's Gardener. It's a small story at the moment. It's got like 50, 52 followers. But I think it's actually a really cozy story that deals with uh, some really interesting issues that I rarely see dealt with um, in fiction, in this particular case like neurodiversity and cool. yeah like a lot of the characters in the story it's a very closely written story but it's like such a niche that I think a lot of people felt really read it. I'm just checking now and it's got like three volumes already apparently uh, I have an older one that I think briefly touched Rising Stars like a year or two ago and then vanished and didn't get as much traction as it deserves. Uh, it's called mm -hmm. Very Yummy Poison. Uh, okay. It is uh, It's a story about super science and the changing of the world. And it's actually sort of like three different books crammed into one book shaped suit it is an absolutely wild ride um i don't know if it's good but it sure is the most uh it's also just deeply hilarious when it wants to be uh the author is a cool guy who does a lot of research into like the science of the things that he's talking about when he's writing so like chapters will end with a bunch of links for like here's how we're actually using networked drone swarms to hunt criminals like here's how a chatbot is going to take over uh white collar and artistry jobs and like this is way before the whole like mid-journey thing with artists mm -hmm. or chat gpt with like people using ai art for their work like he wrote this a while before that really took off and so it's interesting to read back over the story and see like a character that's a universal chatbot that fills the role of a lawyer because yeah, and it was just like, yeah, that's the face I made too. And I was like, 
try, try that. Yeah, don't yeah. do this in real life. Um, yeah, it's it's cool, and I love it. Uh, that and also markets and multiverses, which still deserves mm-hmm. uh, a little more love. It's it's on a it's one of those stories that's like got a slump in it, but it gets past it. Read it. Hmm, cool. Go read it. Okay. I think that's the end of the main part of the podcast then. If you want to stick around, we can do some bonus content. I got some more puns for oh. you, Silver. Oh, um, <laughs> Yes. And if you're listening to this and this is the end of the podcast, then um, go check out my Patreon. Join, I think, 10 other people in subscribing and you can get bonus content for every single episode after the fourth. Um, which I think is now oh my god it's like 12 episodes 15 15 episodes by the time this comes out yeah, I think. you get to that point at and, a certain uh, level where you're just like oh I've been doing this yeah oh, no. yeah I have it's, it's been a wild ride <laughs> um, anyway so it's at least half an hour for every hour of content that you can listen to for free and the bonus, uh, the bonus material also is completely ad-free. Uh, also, most recently, if you hate the kazoo ad, you can now give me a hundred bucks to not include the kazoo what? ad. So there you go. Oh, the kazoo ad. You'll know. <laughs> uh, I have many questions. Yeah, listen to the podcast when it comes out and you'll know what I mean. Yes, I'm holding my audience hostage-ish. No, yeah, that, that checks <laughs> no. out. No. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And I hope I'll see you, because now we're actually on video. See you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, my God. So sad. Bye, guys. <laughs> the saddest koala. Okay.